I've always felt different. I've always seen things, but when I tried to express them as a child, I was always told to ignore it. There were people that I didn't know that came to me and said, I have this message that I keep getting that I have to deliver to you. All of a sudden, out of the shadows, a homeless man just jumped right in front of me, and he said, I'm a soul just like you. I love it. I wanted to understand the universe and who and what we are and what are we doing here. And we're all part of this amazing soul wave tapping into each other. This was a major life changer. You are a light. You have helped me a ton. Thank you. You've given me the courage to live more from my soul. Millions of people are awakening. So wake up with Michelle Miche. Be pleased to hear the best-selling authors and experts in the fields of cutting-edge self-help, personal growth, metaphysics, and spirituality. The soul path of awakening. Understand what living awake is. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Awakenings with Michelle Mache. Um, it's really amazing time right now to be with you guys. Oh, so much shifting going on. Um, going to dive in a bit about that and how to navigate. I um, want to welcome everyone in the chat, getting into the chat. It's great to connect with you always, grounding the energy. My co-host, co-pilot, hello in there. Um, my light is weird where I'm at now, so can't see in the chat as well. I think I see Lenny. Who else is in there? Brother me. I can't really see. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, okay, call in numbers 347-539-5122. Uh, you can listen by phone. You can listen in the chat. You can listen via your computer. If you do have a question or a comment or you want a reading, please press 1 on the keypad. And again, that number is 347-539-5122 and pressing 1 on. Thank you, Lynn, about the sound. I appreciate it. really helps me. Um, so how's everybody doing? Let me know. Call in. Let me know how, how everyone, how you're doing. I um, also want to invite everyone to join me also on my Patreon community, Soul Path Patreon group, and also an Insta. Stop by. Um, let me know how you're doing. Share a little bit about yourself. Also, it, we have an Awakenings page, Awakening Community on Facebook, where you can share more. Um, you know, part of Awakening is awakening to your own gifts and sharing your insight and your knowledge. We really, it's almost like cosmic mentoring, right? Um, in fact, I'm doing these mentoring programs um, that I'll be sharing more about. One of them is through MentorCam. You can find me there. Um, I really, really believe in mentoring. I um, have had so much great mentoring in my life um, by a few key mentors. I mean, I feel like in many ways we all mentor each other. We're mentors and mentees, right? But there are people sometimes in our life where we get um, – sorry about that, guys. I was just writing something down. We get, I don't know, additional help, insight. There's something specific that we need. And in the path that I've chosen, it's very strongly focused on mentoring, mentorship, apprenticeship, whether it was in the traditional, um, you know, training and schooling that I had, you know, uh, conventional, traditional, you had to do clinicals, clinical trials, you had to 
you know, have do sessions, and then those sessions were looked at by a supervisor, you know, a supervisor, supervising um, therapist, um, as well as you had um, mentors that were ahead of you, you know, in the in their practice of counseling people. And then metaphysically, and as a shaman, you have to apprentice. You you have to have um, there's this one-on-one contact to see how you're really doing and also to tailor what you need more. That's why even in my self-development and spiritual integration programs that I do or any inner work that I do with my private personal clients, and it's private and it's personal and it's individualized. We tailor programs for you. There's basics. So, you know, what's very important, even in the, when I studied meditation um, in the traditional way of learning meditation and yoga for that matter, it's tailored to the individual and their path and their focus on their path. Are they more mental? Are they more med- uh, emotional? Are they more spirit, you know, based in um, spirit? Are they more physical? Because everything has a balance. So when you're learning meditation traditionally, and those of you, Lynn is one that studied with me at Agape Spiritual Center, um, the meditation curriculum that I developed. We had, if somebody was more mentally based, they may need to do a meditation practice that integrates more the emotional aspect of them. If someone's overly emotional, maybe the mental or the physical, or people, maybe it's easier for them to tune in after doing physical activity, then they would start with that, like walking or yoga. Um, I remember once I had one student who was a um, bodybuilder, and she really had a problem trying to meditate. And I said, well, why? And she goes, I just can't sit and meditate. I do better off of my, um, you know, after I've worked out or after my exercise bike, you know, whatever. She's on an hour, a half hour, I don't know. And I said, well, so what? Do that. She goes, oh, is that okay? And I said, yeah. If that's what, you know, that's, then we can work on doing it the other way too so that you have conscious control. But start where you're at. And I think, by the way, everyone, that is such a big message for all of us right now is start where you're at. Whatever you're doing, start where you're at. You will progress. You will transmute. The energy of you will transmute. Your relating patterns will transmute and transform. But so many times we're so focused on not being where we're at. And believe me, I, I get, I, I've been there. <laughs> Probably be there again. Um, it's human nature. We, we, we shift mentally way before we do emotionally and definitely then physically. We have an idea. We're done with something, Right. You know, we're done. That's it. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm finished. But the the not only your energetic pattern is still in play, that holds the vibrational frequency of where you were at and are at before you wanted to do something different in your life. Let's say, or make some kind of change. Um. You're still in that pattern. You're wrapping it up, right? So it's – and what we usually do is we try to be where we are now mentally, where what we're visioning, what we know we can become. And that's why we say, you know, metaphysically we're trained that 
things hang in the atmosphere, in the ethers, before they manifest into denser physical form, into our physical reality, our everyday living reality. If there's enough resonance and vibrational frequency holding it in place, and if there's enough group agreement on some level, it doesn't have to be by location, you know, proximity. It can be, it doesn't matter, it's vibrational. You know, there is no, there is no location limitation in the universe, right? So you remember that when you're trying to change um, that resistance is normal and natural, but try to move, notice your resistance, and then just even pause and say, okay, this is natural. This is what the ego does. Because it is, it's true. We do go two steps forward and one step back. And we call it, like in psychology, it's a regressive pull. There's always a regressive pull to go back. I always call it the rubber band theory, where you stretch so far, but then, you know, when you let go, the rubber band goes back to its either original form, or if you stretch it a lot and hold that stretch, yeah, it'll stretch, but it can only stretch as much as the integrity of the rubber band. And by the way, I've been using this analogy for years, and the other day, I don't remember what I was watching. I should have written it down. And there was like this... um, expert, I think, in like um, neuroplasticity, the brain, and this and that. And she says, well, it's like the rubber band theory. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> I've been saying that, and people are like, oh, Michelle, that's cool. That's so true. That's, um, But, again, that shows that, you know, things are just in the ethers, and as a channel, you just pick it up, you know. But it is, it's a great way to describe what happens with us. Now, what we can do, think of it this way, when we want to stretch more, when we're going into something that might seem challenging or anxiety-provoking or even fearful, we can stretch and hold that integrity and do what we need to do to, to start matching the frequency of what it is, where we're growing into, what we're growing into, right? When our frequency expands, so to speak, our rubber band expands. So that can look like if somebody, let's say, wants to be an opera singer and, and is nervous about it, and let's say they've been studying it and, and you know, taking uh, voice lessons and they get a vocal co- coach, it may be for that person not only to go and hear uh, opera or watch opera, go to the opera, but to be around other people that are involved in the opera. Right? And maybe even audition. Okay? That's even more stepping into it. So the more you're around what reflects the vibrational frequency of what's life enhancing for you, what's supportive of you, and and what you want to manifest or draw in, the more that it begins to happen etherically, begins to happen energetically, and then that begins to inform your decisions, your thoughts, your dreams, your ideas, you begin to feel I can do it, I can I am doing it. And that begins to shift energetically and then mentally, emotionally. And sometimes emotionally first and then mentally. Those are interchangeable. And then the physical happens. And so it's important if 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 there's something that you want to do that you're you're in doing some aspect of it, whether in a course, a class, a workshop, or going to a place, uh, 
It can even be like I have you, those of you that listen to me for a while or watch me on my YouTube channel know I have certain cafes I go to. I've always gone to cafes. It, it inspires me. Certain ones, it's just not any old one. It has to have the elements. So find your elements. Finding your elements are key right now because we're in a very highly creative time. Anytime there's a lot of transition, change, whether personally or it, it could be in your, you know, field of expertise, your career, you know, um, arena or the world at large, then there is a lot of potential and opportunity because there's a lot of energy that's up that doesn't have any, it, that's not, doesn't have anywhere specific to go to, right? It's not yet being put in some kind of form or some kind of order. It's moving around. It's swirling around. So there are a lot of openings. There are a lot of possibilities. There are a lot of gaps right now, gaps in the universe. Gaps are voids. They're like little wormholes. They're like little Bermuda triangles. Where do you go in there? It's a swirling. It's a vortex of energy where the old is meeting the new. Okay? And it's like if you've ever um, dived through lily ponds, or lotus, lotus ponds. Um, I had that experience when I was in Hawaii, specifically Molokai. And we dived deep, and there were these underground like, caves, and we would come up. And then there was these, you know, lotus ponds. Lotus, I guess, patches, whatever you call them. We were in a field of lotuses. And then you'd dive again, and then you'd come up through this other hole, you know, because you couldn't come up through the... Uh, the muck and the mire of the of the lotus patch, but in between the lotus patch. So in between the form is the formlessness, is the potential and the opportunity. That's the gap. And that's where we create. That's the, the cosmic egg or cosmic womb, the, you, know, you know, the universal womb. That's the, the earth womb. So if you remember that right now, whatever you're going through, look for the gap. Look for the, look for the potential, the possibility. Now, it may be the potential, the possibility is, oh, I have more time to rest. That's valid. I have more time to daydream. You know, I have um, – I'm going to be, too, by the way, this is all under conscious creation. If you're interested in any of this um, – in fact, it's weird. I wasn't going to talk about this, but it's, I'm just in meditation, divinely guided. Um, if this interests you, email me either at awakeningspodcast at gmail.com or michelle at soulplayground.com, michelle with one L, and I'll keep you in the loop. Um, this stuff, I'm starting this in um, May, probably mid-May. And I haven't done this for a while, this series. Um, where I'm going to just dive in and do a whole program for everyone, weekly, weekly insights. There'll be a weekly, weekly video course um, with exercises, processes to do for you weekly. And, um, and then we'll meet monthly. It's going to be a, a six-month program to just, just really transform your life, the empowerment, the direction. So it's really if you have goals or you want to know about more about conscious creation, more about spirituality, you know, how to use the energy of the universe to manifest, how to, you know, heal, repattern yourself. Um, 
you know, you might be interested in this. So just as a side note. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's really and I see and you probably see people that are taking advantage of this. And some of you may be saying, Well, why are they doing that or how are they doing that? For some of you it's gonna be very straightforward and very obvious of what your next steps are and what you need to do. And for for many of you, um, you're just going to have to follow. If it's so, if it's really, really new, and you're aligning to the new emerging consciousness, you probably aren't going to know. You're not going to see what you might term concrete next steps. They might be a bit uh, ephemeral. They might be a little bit like, oh, I'm getting guided to do this, but that doesn't really make sense. I'm getting guided to do that, but how is that, you know? And I know through my own process of this and, and in the wise words of one of my assistants, Josie, she said, you know, Michelle, you get, go have to go through this to have the authenticity to be able to talk about it and share and also see that it works. You know what I mean? So, yeah, the map, there's a different map right now. Um, and yes, we say the map is within, but we're like downloading pieces of the map, right? It's like having your GPS and then it has to reroute, right? Rerouting, rerouting. But also, just think of behind the scenes if, if, those, if the road you were going to go on has a different name now or it's no longer there. Now it's a, you know, shopping complex or housing complex or they put in a park with a lake there. That that software is is set up to kind of, in layman's terms, scurry around, right, and adjust. Well, that's what you're doing. That's what we're all doing right now. And so it really is a time right now to really more and more reflect, be more in the reflective consciousness mode, which means you reflect on where you are, how far you've come, your decisions you recognize that you're a co-creator. In other words, we are the only species that has reflecting consciousness. This is why we can intervene and change things or um, invent and innovate things. We can see something and see how it would be better, how we can apply it. And it's done first through some kind of cognitive thinking and wondering about and then some kind of, you know, divine idea, spark of insight, an aha moment. Um, and then we've kind of figured out, and then you know, it, it, then that's in the recesses, right, of our of our brain and in in our cells, this memory and this understanding, and it gets passed out through osmosis, you know, through to each other, through the morphogenic fields, the resonant fields, you know, then it's passed on. But you, we first have to do the kind of grunt work. We first have to figure it out. But this time, our figuring out is not so much with the conscious mind, the rational mind, or the cognitive thinking. It's by trusting our intuition, our understanding, our intuition, our, our intuitive awareness, understanding our body-mind system, how it works, understanding and using our innate intelligence and the innate intelligence of everything and everyone of the whole world, you know, in the universe, tapping into that. So it's it's very um, in the chat. Let's see. Can you hear me? If you don't, can't hear, um, you might need to um, either uh, re reboot. 
reboot, reboot, reboot. No. You can't hear? How about Lynn? Can you hear? Okay, I don't know. Oh, you might need to call it. Yeah, if you can't hear, then um, try uh, maybe even logging out of your browser. So you might need to just completely reboot or log out, clear the cache, and then, or you can call in. Yeah, if you can't hear in the chat. Okay. All right, I was getting distress signals in the chat. (laughs) Yeah, so trusting the body wisdom, the intuitive knowing, the inner guidance, really understanding and understanding also that there's a partial map already there within you, but it's also getting new pieces to it, new animated 3D, 4D, 5D and above pieces, right? (laughs) It's uh, 3D printing. It's getting, you know, you're downloading it. And it doesn't, the downloads do not come from the rational or logical mind. And so this is where, Intuition is key. Those hunches, those I just knew, or or you tune in, you you tune in and you realize, oh, this is I'm being guided here. A lot of what I'm hearing from the people I work with is it doesn't make sense, but it's what I really want to do, and that's the direction you need to be going on. In that's what you need to integrate in the best way that you can. Sometimes you'll be able to spend more time on what it is you want to do. Sometimes less time. It's not about the time. It's about the frequency, literally and figuratively. It's about the frequency. It's about if you can only do something a minute or two a day, just do it more. Just do it. Just do it. The more that you do it, the more you're aligned to that resonance. And the more you set up yourself as a broadcaster transmitter with a much clearer signal to draw in to magnetize to you more of what you need and want, more of what is in your vision, the vision that's unfolding, the new vision. So, you know, things like tarot, numerology, you know, using a pendulum, you know, metaphysical studies, spirituality, studying spiritual principle, all those things help align you to the more quantum field, the energies of the quantum. When we want to make changes, we have to we have to expand out of the mindset that we were in before. We need to have a flexible mindset. So a lot of you may feel you're getting stretched somehow. You're getting stretched. You know that you're getting stretched beyond a limit. How far can I go? How much can I do? You know, and I hear it all the time, and I get it. You know, the thing is for me, and I always say in a way what I do is selfish because I, I love helping people. I get, oh, my God, so much fulfillment, joy. It's a passion. But also it reinforces for me over and over and over without a doubt what works. There is a system. There are systems within systems. We are a world, a universe based on systems. You know, the cosmos is a system. And the systems work. The algorithms work. After you understand the bigger system, you can distill it to an algorithm, and that short algorithm will work. This is why with my book, Meditation for Everyday Living, I did shorter meditations because I realized in my meditation, this is, it's only aligning to the true state of who we are. It's inside of everyone. 
So it doesn't have to take 20 minutes, a half hour, hour, two hours. And believe me, I came from that world. I used to meditate two and a half hours in the morning, two and a half hours at, at night for many years, I think two or three years, and then it was an hour, then 45 minutes, and half an hour, 20 minutes. Now I do longer meditations and shorter meditations. I do all kinds of just attunements to tap into that space, that vibrational access point that it aligns us. And so that came from many, many, many years of study, though, and training and, and life experience to then make it shorter, to have that, real, you know, that understand, that realization. And now more and more people are doing this. My book, I think the first one came out, I don't know if it was late 90s or 2000 or something. And then, then I did, then I had the um, abridged edition, the longer um, edition might have been 2011 or something. I don't know. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, so we change. We have to have that flexible mindset as we get more data and more knowledge, more useful knowledge of what we actually need and definitely more of a consistency and frequency and way to tap into yourself is the way to go and is going to be more and more the way to go. So I see it, and I know right now many people are like, oh, my God, I'm so stretched because I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to, I got kids at home, I'm teaching, I'm also working from home, or I go in the office part-time, or I'm single mother, single father, or, you know, my kids have been sick, or I've been sick, or, you know, I get it, or, or they cut our hours at work, there's this juggle, and you're trying to do some other things on the side, you're trying to focus on yourself, you're in your own growth period on, on a soul level, and then many of you have projects on the side. Side gigs, side hustles, right? You, or you're launching something. Stick with it. Just do what you can because as you do what you can, the integrity of your choices aligns to the vibrational frequency of your soul to move you from surviving to thriving. And what will start to happen is things open up so that you can devote more time to what it is you want to do. But if you can only do two hours a week on something, that's fine. 10 minutes a day, five, 15 minutes a day, half an hour. The more you do that and you say, yes, I'm going to do this 10 minutes and this counts. I'm going to do, the more that you do that, it'll harness that energy of where you're going. And you'll see things start shifting around. You'll have more support. You'll also realize what you really need to do or don't need to do. I've learned that. I'm still learning it where I'm like, okay, I actually don't need to do that right now, or that's my own imposed deadline. It's not really the deadline deadline. And that's listening to your inner knowing. That's being guided. And then things get done, and then you start to see the pieces come together. You start seeing the whole picture of the puzzle, and you have maybe a whole part of the puzzles put together. And now you see, now the ego can come in and go, oh, let's do this. Well, let's reinforce this. Let's now you can bring that part of you in. But there's a certain part that that part really has to take a back seat, and you just have to trust, have faith, you know, ask for your signs, look for the synchronicities, follow the areas where there's synergy. And then that begins to, to lead you and, and guide you. Um, I got to tell you, my guides kept telling me, do the YouTube, and I'm like, what, what? Do the you? And I'm like in the middle of all kinds of stuff. 
with Yoshi, dying, round-the-clock care. Sometimes I did not sleep. I slept maybe an hour a night, two to three days in a row. And But I did what I could, you know, and I can't tell you the things that have come from this. Um, it's just been a wonderful way to share, give back, but it's opened up so much for me. There's a level of growth. Um, I've actually gotten some corporate <laughs> jobs, seminars, speaking engagements from it um, to share about spirituality or tarot even. So who would have figured some a corporation or a few corporations reaching out to me? So you just don't know, and you have to trust that the part of you, the higher self, does know. There is a part. When you say, I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing, yeah, that's the ego. That's the rational aspect of you. But there is a part of you that may be guiding you, oh, take course or, or go over there and, and, you know, go to that cafe and do your work. Set this up. You know, put this online. And you're like, oh, no, that's not it. What? What does that have to do with anything? That's the part you have to trust. And you have to also know that there's a part of you that won't understand it, and that's Okay. You just listen to that part and say, yeah, we're just going to try this anyway. Let's just, what I like to do is I give it a timeline. I'll do this for three months. I'll do this for six months and let's see what happens. And then I'll consistently do it. I'll commit to what my higher self is saying. And always, always there is some sign or payoff that's like, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now I see why. Okay. I see what's going on here. (laughs) What can I say? Sometimes we have to bargain with the lower mind. All right, Radiant Soul Lights, call in number 347-539-5122. Press 1 on your keypad if you want a reading, if you want to get on air. Press 1 on your keypad. Let's get to our first caller here. Hello, how are you? Hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing great. And to whom am I speaking with? Who is this? My name is Carrie, and I've called in before. Um, I don't know if my voice sounds familiar. <laughs> no, but your energy does. <laughs> okay. So how are you? Um, well, I enjoy your show a lot, and you told me to watch what I was eating, and I cut some things out of my diet, and um, I noticed some anger going away, so I really appreciate that. Oh, um, but yay. I have, Yeah. Um, but I have an interesting question today. Okay. So like I feed um, <laughs> so I feed a couple <laughs> of stray cats in my neighborhood, and there's this one cat. We don't know if they're boys or girls because they're kind of skittish. And there's this one cat um, that we've kind of named Garfield because he's kind of chunky and he's orange. And my okay. question is, He's been missing for about a week, and there's a road right by my house, and I saw an orange kitty got hit. And I'm curious if you, I don't know, I know you oh, if I do animal stuff. Is that him or her? Oh, no, I do, I do, I do it all. But let me see, um, and I'm really good at tracking. Um, light orange, lighter orange? Yeah, yeah. Kind of orangey with a little brown. Let me see. Oh, gosh. Mm. It really looks like him, but it, it I got like be, a no yeah. in my heart, but I don't know. Yeah, you think so? Well, yeah, yeah. Let me ask, was there a lot of trees there? I'm getting a, 
an area with a lot of trees. Um, well, so road. I live in a dead. I live in a dead. I live in a dead end and behind that he likes to run in, run to. That's where. Okay. Like, okay. Uh, that's. Okay. That's where I, I'm going to check again. Okay. I kind of feel so. You know, sometimes that happens, um, especially with cats, because they come for specific reasons. Um, for one, they absorb our energy, and they they definitely show up when we need um, need them. I I even had a dear client and friend of mine once who went through a traumatic loss, uh, a lot of loss, and then I think lost her father. And this little black cat showed out of nowhere on their doorstep, just appeared, and yeah. was there every day. Would come, yeah, would come at the front door, the mat, every single day. And she was kind of freaked about it. I said, oh, no, there's a mouth, a spirit animal coming to, to help you, guide you. And she fed it, took care of it, and then one day it was just, it was gone. And I said, well, you, and, it, and she was getting ready to move also, um, her and her husband. So, yeah, yeah I feel like this, um, you have a strong bond to this little one. This one, for sure, for yeah, some reason. I'm, I'm, yeah, and I, so there's two cats that show up. My husband's seen three, and he hasn't even been coming okay. around that long. I cried earlier because I felt like it was him, and I've just been like, where is he at? And I saw on the side of the road it looks like him, and I cried earlier because I was telling my sister I think that was him. I don't know if it's a him or a her, but um, he even started coming in her garage a little bit. I don't know. He just, we kind of, you know, he was it It, it, it feels like it. Without taking longer to tune in, because I'm seeing the back. I feel it was a, a lot around the, that tree area I see. Then I see it in, mm-hmm. like, some area where there's plants or something. There's a landscape area. I don't know if it's if that's your yard or somebody else's yard. Um, yeah, I have definitely a was a lot. Yeah. Oh, okay, with some plants and stuff like landscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it slept a lot over there for some reason, and mulch, getting in the mulch, digging around. Um, cute little one, mm-hmm. very skimpy, scampery. Aww. But when you said that, I did feel this like sink in my stomach and in my heart, which usually, when I feel that on the three D world, especially the the. Uh, and the third chakra comes in because the third chakra anchors us to the um, earth plane um, on the identity level. Uh, yeah, I was definitely feeling like, oops, yeah. Aww, oh, well, thank Carrie. you for sharing that with me. I really yeah. appreciate it. You're welcome. So sorry. We still have another oh, little one that you. visits, so thank okay. you. You're welcome. You take good care. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. Hi, welcome to Awakenings. You're on air. Hi, Michelle. It's Cindy. How are you today? Hey, Cindy. I'm doing great. Cindy, I'm uh, from Patreon. Yeah, Cindy from Patreon who missed the meeting. Hey, (laughs) hi, hi, hi. Hi, hi, hi. Hi. I have a question about my fur baby today. His name is Jack. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and he's 13, and he started peeing around the house. Um, and I just, okay. I've tried to communicate with him, and I just can't get a feeling with him. I wondered if he could help. Okay, have you taken him to the vet? I know it sounds kind of obvious, but 
I, I no? feel like it's a physical. Okay, yeah, I feel like it's a physical thing. Um. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like he's not able to hold it as much. Okay. So yeah, so you may want to take him out, or even just try taking him out more. There could be something I don't know. Bladder. There could be either something he ate, a little bit of an infection maybe. So I would try taking him out, but you may end up taking him to the vet because I feel the frequency's gotten more with it, right? Right. Like it was mm-hmm. yeah. once or twice, and now it feels like it's getting more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not picking up anything emotional. I pick up more physical. Okay, great. Yeah. Little cutie, though. He is. Oh, thanks so much, Michelle. Yeah, you're so welcome. Big hug. Bye-bye. Hello. Hi, welcome to Awakenings. You're on air. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, caller uh, 580. Call. Anybody else? Anybody else calling in? 347-539-5122 is the number. I'll check back. Um with those of you that pressed one, but I couldn't get a hold of you. Sometimes people press one and then they walk away or they're listening to something else or in the, the market or they're talking to their boss. Ah, and any questions in the chat, you can put them in. Um, you can also put them in caps so I can see them. Bigger, bigger, bigger. Okay, let's see. They just hung up. Here we go. Again, again, call in number 347-539-5122. Make sure, please, that you press 1 on your keypad if you did want to get on air, okay? That gives me an alert on the keypad. Hi, welcome to Awakenings. You're on air. Oops, hello. 303, you're on air. Okay, so Hi, try can you hear again. me? Oops, oops. Can you hear me? Hold on. Can you hear me? Yes, I can now. Hi. Who's oh, this? Oh, okay. Hi. My name's Julie. Hi. Um, Hi I Julie. wasn't going to – oh, hey. I wasn't going to call in today, but then since I was listening, I thought um, I'd ask this question. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, okay. Cool. So I was wondering about the whole – they're talking about these whole vaccine passports, and I was wondering if you see that okay. coming to happen or is it just going to kind of go away, hopefully? Um, I hear you. Hopefully, uh, I feel again here and there. I feel certain areas, certain states will have it, um, at least in the paper form. When I channeled that info in 2017, um, there were paper passport uh, that people like certificates that people folded, um, and people were asking them in. For travel, um, I'm not so sure if so much of it's going to be airlines, but it, but when you land. <laughs> so you may be able to be able to fly someplace. So you're going to have to check. You're going to have to check different places. Some places will require it and some places not. And I definitely right. see a lot more people driving. I have I've predicted that for, I don't know, the last few years, and it's also supported in the astrology with that north node in Gemini. Much more okay. with cars, 
cars, RVs. Yeah, that's how I'm SUVs. feeling. I guess. Yeah, uh, much more. And I think people will get, be able to get around it for a while until there's more, um, you know, checkpoints. You know, and those checkpoints okay. may not be just due to due to quote unquote virus. They're also going to be due to other things that are happening. You know, civil unrest. Um, uh huh. You know, there'll be security knowing. You know why you're traveling, where you're where mm-hmm. you're going. Um, but yeah, remember, you know, and everybody listening, you know, whether it's how you live, most importantly, how you live and what you buy into. It does mitigate it, it, what's happening. It can make it worse or it can make it better. So things don't have to get so extreme. The more that people are um, being sovereign, I guess. But that also means mm-hmm. allowing people the, to do what they want to do. I mean, if people want to do the passport or want to do the mask or this and that, some people can and some places can. And some people don't want to and won't have to. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of what the um, the universe is wanting the the higher trajectory the the most expanded because that's what's the most out of um, the extremes of polarity you see mm-hmm. that's what's trying to happen here is to have you know the middle a middle way that that is always ensures the most survival to moving from surviving to thriving that allows people to thrive because then most right. more people are yeah, being included. So, very cool, Julie. Yep. Thanks for your insight. Yeah, I just kind of yeah. keep thinking good thoughts about it. So, okay, thanks a lot. Yeah. Okay, you're welcome, Julie. Bye-bye. Good to talk to you. Bye. Hi, welcome to Awakenings. You're on air. Hello, hello. Oh, hi. Hi, this is Katie. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. This is Kate. Mm-hmm. Hi, Katie. Okay, I want to, well, I think I want to attract employment, right? And um, I want to know if I, are you picking up, do I have any blocks to receiving it? Or, because I've been applying, but I'm not really sure what to, like when I'm doing the searches, like what should I look for? Or, um like what kind of position to look for? Because some of the things um, I kind of, I have a legal education, but I guess to technically to practice, you know, law, you need a license. So Mm -hmm. I'm not licensed yet. So I'm looking for things where I can still do it, I mean, without a license or just still use my skills. Well, you can advocate, you can um, mediate in many, you know, I don't know what your laws are there, but advocation, mediation, you can start um, a, um, what do you call it, like expert, you know, you could be, whether there's a lot of, you know, apps for answering questions, mentoring, answering questions, you can launch your own website, you don't have to be, you know, you just have to disclose your, your background, but you don't have to say, you don't have to be practicing. Um, well, I think you do. Well, you have to be practicing and give out advice. You do. But I'm just wondering, mm-hmm. you know, just when I go on LinkedIn and stuff like that, I'm just not even you could. sure. Well, you don't, you don't have to get, no, that's not true. As a, you, If you're mm-hmm. giving suggestions and you 
say that you're not, um, you can give suggestions. You can have a reference um, site or come from that as long as you're not, um, you just have to stipulate what you're, you know, what you're, you know, mm-hmm. that you're not licensed yeah. or whatever. Licensed, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So what, um, I'm not sure what your question is for me. Oh, my question, no, no, no. What I was asking, I was asking about employment. Like, I'm looking for employment. I want to make sure I'm open to receiving it. And I'm just kind of trying to get guidance about, um, like, what my angels are saying about um, me getting employment or what kind to look for. I feel it's really up to you. I feel you're not sure. And you mm-hmm. probably need, in those kinds of cases, it's always good to just do something transitional, get just some kind of transitional job while you're clear. Because I really, I almost feel like there's a part of you that wants to do, like, consulting or start something up, have your own business. I feel like you're very torn. I, I don't feel you're clear about what it is you really want to do. So we well, I am starting my own business, but I still need to be, I want uh, to be because that's why. Okay. So see mm-hmm. that, then you just get a transitional job. Just get something that, that fits. Because right now, you're, and that's why I was suggesting all these other things. Because your energy mm-hmm. pattern is not in, oh, I'm getting this job and climbing up the corporate ladder and making it, you know, and this is, this is mm-hmm. my, you know, the, the job, dream job. No, you really want to do something on your own. And so that's where most of your energy needs to go. And when that happens, mm-hmm. Yes, you will be blocked by your higher self because your higher self is saying, no, 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 just get something to pay the bill, get something in that you that you like, that's, that's probably mm-hmm. an extension of what you've done before. It's easy peasy mm-hmm. so you can focus on this, on building your business, on building what you really want to do. Yeah, so you're trying to do both. It doesn't work that way because you won't have the, the you won't have the mental, emotional, let alone physical energy. So I would just say whatever, you know, it's not so much right now what you're doing. It's just, it's just to fulfill a, um, a need right now. Okay, so you're saying, like, don't get caught okay. up on titles, like when I'm applying for positions. Oh, don't get caught oh, up on titles. Oh, yes. No, 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 no. You're so beyond that. <laughs> you're building a business. <laughs> Right? But I still want to get my, my license. I still want to get my license as well. Yeah. Okay, but see, the thing is, you're, you're sending yourself and the universe mixed messages. Mm-hmm. So you can get your license, but you're, there's a much different energy to building a business or a startup. Mm-hmm. And most mm-hmm. people that do that either take time off or they're like, oh, I'm just staying at this job. I've been here for corporate. I've been here for a while. You know, I can do it in my mm-hmm. sleep because I'm building mm-hmm. this on the side. It's 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 almost near impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it it takes a lot of bandwidth to do both at the same time. So one area has to take some kind of backseat preference. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you are you definitely are stopping yourself. Yeah. You definitely because there's only so much bandwidth you have to to you know create something, especially from the ground up. So basically, should I like start telling the universe? Because I feel like I'm telling the universe when I'm applying, but I'm not seeing results yet. 
because I'm just I'm trying to attract like employment. But I just told you why you're conflicted. That's why I, I gave you a reading about different options, startup, consult, da 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 da, and you were you know about the the licensing and all that. And so the real question is, what do I do in the meantime? Because then you told me, oh, right. I have a business that I, I want to start up. So you have to yeah. make that decision right now. Which is more important, the title, the mm-hmm. licensing, or the business? <laughs> you know, okay. one or the one, one of the other has to take key precedence. That doesn't mean you can't do it all, but you're going to have mm-hmm. to shift the timing. Otherwise, yes, yeah, it's a bit of a self sabotage. And you're sending mixed you're sending mixed signals out there. You'll know this is the beauty. I'm, we are like this. You'll mm-hmm. know when to cycle back into something that you want to do. You have to get what you're doing first at a certain level to then be able to bring something else in or integrate something else in. You have to, have, you know, it's kind of like a working system. So. You have to basically. You're going to have to make a choice. You have to have a preference. Which one is the one that I'm most focused on? Right. I want more of my energy going to right now, and which is supplemental. Okay. That might be a better way for you to look at it. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. I just want All right, to Katie. Say that makes sense. Universe. Yeah. It uh-huh. does. It does. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once we're clear, the universe gets clear. It's always about us. Sometimes we send double, two signals, three signals. And that's okay. We got to kind of feel it out, you know. We we just we have to get to know ourselves and what we really need and want. And then, yes, we do get that confirmation and response once we're clear. Because if you throw five yeah. balls out in the universe, you're going to get five back, and then you're going to go, "Oh my God, why? What, which one do I take?" But if you have an idea, you can throw those five balls out, but make one bigger <laughs> that you really want to come back in. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for the call. Thanks for calling in. Uh, I love it. We all do this. Sometimes we got to make it's those choices, right? Choices, choices, choices. Um, all right, everyone. It's time for our second half of the program. Uh, we have our awakening dialogue today with Dr. Richard Lane. He's a clinical psychiatrist and psychotherapist trained in cognitive neuroscience. Ooh, I love that. And emotion research. Um, His research has focused on brain mechanisms of emotion, emotion regulation, emotional awareness, neurovisceral integration, and the mechanisms by which emotions influence stability. Um, Wow, to cardiac depth. His uh, background is in cognitive and effective neuroscience, which is now being integrated in an ongoing experience as a therapist and psychotherapy educator. Um, His book out is Neuroscience of Enduring Change, Implications for Psychotherapy. Let's give a warm welcome. Welcome to the program, Dr. Lane. Welcome. Thank you so much. Delighted to be here. Yeah, so now let's... um, well, want to know your background, how you got interested in this uh, study and um, this direction. Um, was it some childhood yearning or life experience or combination of? <clears throat> oh, a combination of. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. No doubt the fact that my father was a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst had a big influence on mm-hmm. me growing up. But uh, when I went to college, I found that I really enjoyed psychology, 
And I was interested also in understanding the brain and body and relating emotions to health. And so I went to medical school, became a psychiatrist, and really um, was very interested in developing my skills as a psychotherapist, but also very interested in how emotions influence our health, how they influence the brain and the body interaction. So that's my basic background. I have been an academic psychiatrist for 35 years. Uh, I've been doing research, but I've been also supervising trainees and doing psychotherapy. I've been doing psychotherapy myself. And in recent years, I started to apply what I've learned about the brain and brain-body interactions to psychotherapy, not just to emotions and health. So let's talk about this because that is a biggie, and a lot of people, um, in fact, a lot of our listeners were, you know, in a layman's way aware of this and can see it play out that our emotional state and, and you know, and our overall emotional health um, does affect us, does affect our not just our mood but our body, especially over a long period of time. Um, and I know there's a lot of science that's starting to, to bear that out. Um, can you talk a bit about that and what can we do? Because a lot of times people say, oh, I need to think positive. I need to think because, you know, I don't, I, you know, I don't want any mm-hmm. negative consequences. <clears throat> but clearly they're not feeling positive. <laughs> and, you know, they're upset, right. they're angry, mm-hmm. or they're irritated, or they're bereaved. What, okay, so if you can explain a little bit about the, how mm-hmm. the emotions affect us, but then also what do we do? Because people don't know what to do. It's like, well, I'm told to think positively because I don't want negative emotions. Right. But, but what if you have those negative emotions? Right. Exactly. Well, it's a, very, it's, a very, it's a very complex situation. And don't get me wrong. I think that thinking positively um, and being optimistic, uh, you know, is a helpful attitude. But um, as you say, there are limitations to that. And if you have <laughs> recurrent problems of, you know, having depression, anxiety, being pessimistic, relationships not going well, um, then a positive outlook, you know, isn't going to change things the way you want them to. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, what this book is about is an attempt to understand how psychotherapy works. There are 500 different mm-hmm. kinds of psychotherapy, but it's like what are the common denominators and how do we really understand how psychotherapy works from a brain standpoint, okay? And so... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, a real innovation has been in the past 20 years, we've come to understand that memories are not fixed. They are modifiable, okay? And memories are very important because they're not just a record of the past, but they're also a guide to the future. And there are important interactions between memory and emotion, okay? So I think what we find is that very often, people have experiences earlier in life that are intolerable. They just, you know, had awful experiences and they don't want to ever experience those kinds of things again. And they make adjustments. They make adjustments in how they conduct their lives so as to avoid those negative emotions, but it's hard to avoid them. And basically what, what we've concluded is, is that in psychotherapy, there's no avoiding the negative emotion. The first step is that you have to recall the old, old painful memories and activate the old painful emotion. 
That's not easy to do. That's the first step. But why do that? Why do that? It's because when you recall the emotions and the memories, it puts them in a labile, modifiable state. So then an interaction with a psychotherapist who can be supportive, uh, non-judgmental, compassionate, caring, loving, to have corrective emotional experiences with the psychotherapist while those negative emotions are activated makes Mm -hmm. it possible to change those memories, change those schemas, and then when those schemas get updated, your outlook on life, the way you approach situations will be different. Instead of being apprehensive, you're going to be more likely to um, not worry so much and maybe be more positive or more optimistic. Um, you will, your emotional reactions to situations will be different. So you have to, we, we say three steps, activate the old emotions and the old memories and the old painful emotions, have corrective emotional experiences in therapy, but then number three is practice new ways of viewing the world and responding that are consistent with the corrective experience. So um, a good example would be, you know, something from the past that you're very ashamed about, and maybe you've never spoken to anybody about it, right? You expect that you'll be criticized. You feel terrible about it, and you're keeping it all to yourself. By bringing it out, sharing it with someone, and finding out that they genuinely don't reject you, they genuinely actually have a compassionate response. They provide new perspectives. They help you see things in a different way. That will modify the emotional components of the memory and really can change things going forward. Does that make sense? So it's mo- yeah, oh yes. So is it modifying the emotional aspect and therefore the memory or the memory and then that's affecting the emotional aspect? Um, I, I think of it as the emotional component of the memory. It's not what happened, but how you feel about it and how you responded to it. Because, again, it's, memories are not just a record of the past. They're a guide to the future. So what you expect in terms of what people will do, but also how they'll react to you, how you'll react to them. Right. Those kinds of things are part of your expectations, and that can change. That can be updated and modified. Right. So in essence, because so in, in handling this, in, in looking at that memory, and it sounds like being per- present to the emotions that are there, you're mm-hmm. essentially, as you alter that, then you're altering the expectation. Future I believe so, expectation. yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So now, Dr. Lane, would this be ha- obviously this is happening on a cognitive level? But is would this also happen subconsciously or reflectively, or would people still need to like pause for a period of time and like, you know, rethink that memory of what they're what they're going through? Mm-hmm. Or over time, does it? Yeah, does it become more re- reflective? It's a very good. That's a very good question. Um, you know, I think it, it, a way of thinking about it is it's like learning a new skill, like learning to drive mm-hmm. a car. Okay. Okay. And when you when you start 
learning how to drive, you know, it takes a lot of effort and attention, right? And you right. you drive in various situations, and over time it becomes more automatic after a fair amount of practice, right? And I mm-hmm. think that's that's what happens here. It, you know, uh, what we find is that people often have you know, challenges and relationships that don't just happen in one context. They happen in multiple contexts. Like, for example, if you had issues with authority, right, you can encounter Mm -hmm. authority issues in a variety of contexts. So, um, you know, in one situation, say at work, you'll, uh, you'll have the new experience, the new way of dealing with it. It will require conscious effort, right? Okay, then right. you're interacting with someone in a family situation where there's authority issues involved, and it's not going to be automatic. You'll have to think about it. You'll have to say, oh, mm-hmm. this is the way I used to do it. You know what? I don't really need to do it that way. Let's try this other thing. And then as you do it in more and more context, I think it becomes more effortless and more automatic. But, um, you know, it's, it's a goal to have it be automatic. It doesn't happen that easily it requires effort just as you know any new skill requires effort and practice right so people you know should allow themselves that okay i'm going to have to pause or look at this or be mindful of this because i'm like i like what you said you're learning a new skill but over time Mm -hmm. it sounds like it gets it you know gets more um ingrained or embedded or becomes that's right a healthy habit right that's right and i think another way of thinking about it is that you grow up doing things a certain way getting indoctrinated into the world in a certain way and you build up what we call an internal working model of the social world right and that's very well suited to the environment that you grew up in but if there's been abuse or neglect or things that you had to adapt to in childhood, then those adaptations don't work so well when you leave home and go into the outside world. And so you have to kind of update that internal yeah. working model. And you have to have a lot of new experiences to basically, you know, modify what, what comes to be expected. What is the routine? What is the habit? Mm-hmm. Now, in your book, do you go over how the basics of, of how to do this and how it works? Yes. Well, let me say that this was a – I was a senior editor of this book. Um, I shared editing duties with Lynn Nadell, who is a professor of psychology here at the University of Arizona, a leading uh, expert in memory research. And this is an edited book. We have, I think, um, 16 chapters, and we have a variety of different authors. Um, okay. But the, what we're doing is we're, we're co- I, I've described the basic model, um, mm-hmm. and it involves emotion and memory interactions. And so the first part of the book is a series of chapters about the basic science of how emotion works and how memory works and how emotion-memory interactions occur from a basic science standpoint, as well as fascinating work on the role of sleep in updating memories. Okay, we can talk more about that. And then there's a second yeah. section of the book where we, where we have leading psychotherapists 
from different different schools of thought, different ways of doing psychotherapy. They talk about how they do therapy, and they they talk about the extent to which this memory reconsolidation mechanism uh, may be, you know, a common denominator that applies to all different kinds of psychotherapy, okay? And, mm-hmm. and then we conclude with some summary chapters where we talk about um, the, basically what research needs to be done to kind of advance understanding, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, it's, uh, so let's talk it's a, a little bit a about that. Okay, super. okay, let's talk a little bit about this um, memory uh, reconsolidation and also how memory works because I know, um, and it, it's, it's interesting, I'll just, a little side, kind of a side note to the question I'm asking. Um, I find this fascinating because, um, you know, as a, as a hypnotherapist, we, we work a lot with, and transpersonal therapists, we work a lot with memory and this idea of this future self that you can uh, create that handles, you know, which is changing memory or how it's affected you. And I, I find some mm-hmm. some inter, intersections with what you're saying. Um, I guess one of my questions is, is, how does memory work and why does this work? Because it does seem to work. And I think if more people knew this, whether they were in a traditional therapy, therapeutic s- setting um, or, let's say, as a lifelong skill set, they do do the psychotherapy, and then they're able to understand how their brain, their mind, the emotions, and memory work, they could ostensibly do it on, on their own. People could learn this to unlearn what they learned or were entrained with. That's kind of what I'm kind of seeing the possibilities by what you're sharing. Like, my God, this is pretty amazing. If more people knew about this, lay people, they could embark on this um, on their own. They won't feel stuck, you know, so stuck with what they experienced in their past. Right. Well, I, I certainly think that people should give it a try. I think that there's an element to this where some professional assistance may be needed on a temporary basis, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, if we go back to the idea that in childhood there are these really intolerable experiences that happen, for example, that there was abuse, and you, t- you do everything you can to avoid that in the future, Right. right. It's, right. it's a difficult thing to do on your own to go into yeah. all that painful emotion, right? It's also difficult yeah. to have a different perspective that, so that you can have corrective experiences. Um, so, you know, the kind of compassion and empathy. Yeah. So I think well, that... Would it be um, possible down the road? Let's say down the road. That was more my point. It was like... Somebody mm-hmm. goes to the psychotherapy or they learn, but is this a model that they can carry on absolutely. in their everyday life? Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. yes, absolutely. And I, and I, and I want to say that, um, you know, you mentioned hypnotherapy, and, you know, there are many different kinds of psychotherapy. Our claim is that and this applies to any psychotherapy that brings about enduring change. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's a you know the way different psychotherapies arose is from different scientific traditions and you know different um, clinicians and leaders who may have been charismatic and very bright, and they developed their own mm-hmm. school of thought. And 
you know, the field has come to recognize that, you know, there are, there are some common denominators that really seem to cut across different therapies, right? Uh, so, for example, having a therapeutic alliance is really essential no matter what, okay? Working yeah. with emotion is important no matter what. But what this is getting at is what are the actual mechanisms of change? And, you know, it, there was a, basically a, a little bit of an intuitive leap involved because, um, you know, I could draw on decades of experience as a psychotherapist, right? And mm-hmm. I was in conversation with psychotherapists who do psychotherapy in a variety of different ways. But I also, you know, because of my other research career, have a hand in understanding how the brain works with, diff- with regard to different kinds of psychological functions. And, you know, um, it occurred to me that this idea that memories, which are a guide to the future, not just a record of the past, that the idea mm. that those can be updated and that they interact with emotion um, is wow. a very powerful idea that's very much supported by neuroscience. And I also want to mm-hmm. give a shout-out to Dr. Bruce Ecker, who's a psychologist in New York, who was really the first person to write about the role of memory reconsolidation in psychotherapy. It turns out that we kind of uh, came to similar conclusions independently. We've come to know one another and respect one another. He has a chapter in our book. But, uh, you know, it's, when there's an actual, you know, scientific reality, <laughs> when there's something real out there to be discovered, then it can be discovered by more than one person. Yeah, that's true. Oh, my gosh, that's so true. I love that. Not just the past. So let's talk a bit about this memory reconsolidation, how it works, why it works. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, do you want to ask anything more specific, or um, do you want me just to start talking um, just start talking, well, I, what it is exactly and how it, I'm fascinated by the emotional component and also because we think of memory, even you say the word memory, people think about, oh, my memories. We think about the past. We're going into the past. And it, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're seeing through your research that tie-in about how it also shapes our future. Yes. You know, so it's, it's Yes. <laughs> Uh-huh. So um, there are a lot of things that I can say about this. I'll give you a few major pointers. One is that um, I think a, um, as I say, a common way of thinking about memory is that it's a kind of fixed entity, kind of like a book on a shelf. It's the so-called archival theory of memory, right? And It's stored and you, you know, pull it off the shelf and you open it up. We think that memory doesn't work that way exactly. Um, We think that actually it's a very complex process in the brain. Any given memory has a number of different elements to it. If you think about, you know, like what you had for breakfast this morning. Well, uh, you know, there's spatial information, there's color, there's visual information. Um, there is, you know, some emotional information as to, you know, whether you enjoyed it or not. There's taste, smell, you know, all these different elements. And that memory, as you conjure that up in your mind, 
is it's not like you've you know picked out a book on the shelf. What you've done is you've kind of activated multiple systems to construct that memory. Okay, and so that's a construction that's not fixed. It is modifiable. So um, let me. There are a number of different kinds of memory. Okay, and I think that's important and very relevant to what we're talking about in the book. So um, an event memory, uh, you know, like having breakfast today, um, that's a unique event. We call that episodic memory. That's a one particular episode. There are other kinds of memory, like what we call semantic memory or more generalizable knowledge. Um, like the generalizable knowledge would be, uh, well, what are some things that people eat for breakfast in general, right? Um, mm-hmm. That's smoothie. To, so I'm remembering my smoothie right now, Dr. Lane. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. So, uh, so the um, there's a an important one of the things that we've discovered also in the past 20 years is that. Um, there's a close relationship between episodic slash event memories and semantic generalizable knowledge memories. If you take the example of um, like uh, going outside and um, seeing a little creature walk on the ground or fly in the air, let's say you're a little child and you don't know the concept of bird, you see one instance of that and it's got legs, it's got feathers, it's yellow. Um, and you see another one that's got legs, feathers, and it's red. Well, over time, after seeing a number of these different events, uh, the common properties kind of distill out as what is a generalizable abstract concept of a bird, right? So that right. it's an illustration of how episodes turn into semantic knowledge or generalizable knowledge or concepts, okay? okay. Now, over we time. think that so um, over time, exactly. Mm-hmm. So remember I talked about how there's, we develop an internal working model of the social world. We mm-hmm. have, a, you know, episodes. We have experiences growing up, interacting with our parents, interacting with siblings, interacting with peers, et cetera. And over time, people automatically start to uh, identify regularities because what we've come to understand about the brain mm-hmm. is that we, we're always predicting things, right? We always mm-hmm. go into situations with expectations, and then we check out automatically whether our expectations are correct or not based on the sensory information. But we don't start from scratch, okay? And so, yeah, so um, our emotions have a big influence on what this internal working model becomes, right? So the point I'm making is that you have a variety of episodes that end up being generalizable knowledge. And there's a particular kind of semantic memory called schemas. And schemas involve sequences of events, what you expect to happen in different situations. What happens, what happens when you go to a restaurant, right? There's a sequence of events that typically happen. 
And those mm-hmm. you walk into the restaurant with those expectations, and then you might be pleasantly surprised or unpleasantly surprised, uh, and you update your model based on what's actually happening. Okay. So um, the fact of the matter is, is that um, these semantic or schematic memories are distillations of experiences, but when we activate them, they go into a labile state. They go into a state of modifiability where they can be updated with new information that comes in at the time that the memory is online. And the, we think that the window for modifiability is four to six hours. Okay, so once that memory is activated for the next four to six hours, new information can update that memory. Okay. And wow. in psychotherapy, yeah, in psychotherapy, when it's working well, people are talking about things that are really important to them. They're talking about things that really made a difference and may have really been very painful. And, you know, we think that um, because of the fact that we know, we know for a fact that memories are modifiable, it's like how do you take advantage of that therapeutically and make the most out of it for the benefit of the client? Okay, that's what this is about. And, and this is what we've come up with in terms of the necessary steps to reconsolidate memories. Um, so I'll just add one more thing, which is that when the memories are activated and then they can be updated with new information, <clears throat> the memory gets reconsolidated, okay? The new information gets incorporated, and that happens overnight when we're sleeping, okay? So sleep oh, becomes a very important, very important part of the story, okay? So, for example, if you are in psychotherapy and you're trying to change things, but you're not sleeping well, that can interfere with this reconsolidation process, Okay, so um, I'll just leave it at that for now. But it's a yes, it is. Wow, yes, it's so interesting how yeah, sleep always somehow figures in in all parts of our mental, emotional, and physical health. It really, uh huh, um, right? It's uh, is that that because of the tie into the brain? Does that have something to do? um, Absolutely. With the function of the brain? Absolutely. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. there's, there's housekeeping. There's housekeeping that goes on, you know, to kind of uh, clean things up and, you know, from the wear and tear of the day. But also, if you think about it, there are so many things that happen, and you can't remember everything, but there are certain things that are important to remember. And so there are mechanisms in place to help, you know, help us to remember the things that are most important. And one of the mechanisms for that is what is emotionally meaningful for us? What is emotionally charged? That's a direct indicator of what's important and what's important to remember. Mm. And, so, and so when you're sleeping, and, and what we've discovered is that um, when it comes to emotional memories, 
emotional memories get reconsolidated preferentially during REM sleep when we're dreaming, okay? That's almost most of dreaming happens during REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, okay? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, it's important to get enough REM sleep and also to not be taking medications that interfere with REM sleep uh, in order for a memory reconsolidation of emotional memories to happen optimally. So, yeah, I like the um, way you put it too, the, the housekeeping is happening during that time. Mm-hmm. That's right. It is. And so there's basic housekeeping with regard to, you know, neurons and synapses and things like that. Um, right. But there's also, if you think about it, um, Sleep is a good time to kind of um, do housekeeping with regard to memories, if you will. It's like mm-hmm. when, you ha- when you're awake and there's all sorts of new information coming in, you're busy processing that. But when you're asleep and the outside world is shut out, then there's an opportunity to sift through essentially what happened and save what's important. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's interesting. Now, is that almost like deleting? Is I mean, is it possible to um, – you talked about memory in the past and the, how it's shaping the future and the reconsolidation. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to get rid of memories, to delete them or erase them? Or do they ever stay with us and we just reframe what happened? Yeah. I, I think that the – in – in animal studies, it is possible to erase memories because you're able to give powerful drugs that prevent the memories from reconsolidating, okay, and the kind of memories don't get reconstituted. Um, I don't think we're there yet with regard to, you know, with people in terms of totally erasing memories. And, you know, there's really a question as to whether or not we want to do that. Um, you know, there was that... That movie that came out, you know, eight, ten years ago, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, um, yeah, where it's all about, right, erasing memory. And, and there are some negative, unanticipated consequences, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, our view is that um, a great deal can be gained clinically by updating the emotional content of problematic memories. That really can go a long way. And you don't necessarily want to forget what happened, but you want mm-hmm. to modify how it affected you emotionally and how it affects you going forward emotionally. Mm-hmm. Now, also, Dr. Lane, it sounds like by what you're saying, it's not just a reframe it, because it's a, there's, a, there's a modifying emotionally. So this is, you're actually getting into the emotional content of that memory or emotional aspect. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Okay. That's right. Yes. And and working yeah. more directly with emotions than psychotherapists often do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love hearing this. Because the emotions I found are the sticky glue. That's what holds something in place, you know, for mm-hmm. life-enhancing or, you know, an ab reaction or whatever it is. That's held in place through that emotional um, interface there. What you don't want to experience mm-hmm. again emotionally, or what you'd like to experience again emotionally. Um, 
Now, why do you call it neuroscience of enduring change? Now, I'm curious about that that part, that um, part in the title, that that phrase, enduring change. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, um, so the enduring change has to do with the idea of memory reconsolidation. Okay. So, um, there. So, an alternative is to um, an alternative is to create new memories that compete with the old ones, okay? And so uh, you may have, you know, you may have learned that, you know, certain situations are dangerous, and then you kind of right. learn to reinterpret it. You, if the old memory may still be there, but you have to, you know, create and work on reinforcing this alternative memory, right? That is not an enduring change because there's proneness to relapse because the old memory is still there. The reason why we talk about enduring change specifically in this regard is that if you really change the memory with, through reconsolidation, then it's going to be an enduring effect. It's not going to be short-term. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be prone to relapse not going to be prone to relapse. And don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a lot of um, therapy work that can be done that helps people in the short term, and they really benefit from it. And they may have a relapse, and they can get more therapy and get better, and that's fine. But I think we're calling attention to the importance of really creating change that doesn't revert back, you know. And really gets people thinking about how to have make change that, you know, isn't prone to relapse. Now, the neuroscience part of it is that, you know, we're really drawing on what we know about how the brain works to really explain all this. The beauty of that is that the whole area of memory, memory consolidation, emotional memory interactions, how emotions work in the brain – those are very active areas of neuroscience, okay? And so as we learn more and more scientifically, that can be applied to, um, you know, how we do psychotherapy. Uh, but, you know, it's, um, it's a new approach to basically think about how psychotherapy works from a brain perspective, and that's really a key innovation here. Um, yeah, it is, to tie we, in the two. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Dr. Lane, we do have a question in the chat. Um, as you get older and sleep patterns really change and maybe you don't get enough sleep, can dementia set in or can it be more prevalent due to lack of sleep? I always remember my mother got older. She would remember things differently than I and the siblings. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a very good question. So, I, um, and that's a long this is not a, <laughs> it's a yeah, sleep, sleep patterns do change. That's absolutely the case. Right. And I think that there's no question that, you know, if you can get seven or eight hours of sleep or as close to that as possible, it's good for your health and good for your brain health. Um, and I think that there are associations between, you know, uh, altered sleep patterns and dementia, but I don't think there's a a direct causal link between the two. 
but there's okay. no question that um, good sleep is good for your brain and your body. No question. Okay. Keeps coming back to that good sleep. Well, Dr. Lane, mm-hmm. we are um, out of time. So, gosh, I'm so happy you came on the program. I really I learned a lot, um, and I know our listeners did as well. Uh, so thank you for coming on and um, having this awakening dialogue with us. Much appreciated. Well, it was a real pleasure, and I really loved all the questions that you asked, and I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Yeah, me as well. <laughs> okay, you take good care. Thank you so much for all the great work you're doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Dr. Richard Lane, Neuroscience Implications for Psychotherapy. Dr. Richard Lane, Neuroscience Enduring Change Implications for Psychotherapy. Had to say that twice. Um, Really good stuff. Um, really applicable now for, you know, every, so many of us are making changes. I love the correlation to patterning and hypnotherapy. I love what he was saying about memory. Um, let me know. You're welcome, Crystal Bowles, Gretna. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Also, all of you in the chat, thank you for being here. Um, all of you that called in, that were listening today, thank you for co-creating this Great space for us for connecting, sharing, learning. Um, Yeah, really appreciate our Wednesdays together. Um, If you want to find out more about um, Dr. Lane, um, you can go to, let's see, psychiatryarizona.edu. Let me know if how if you apply any of this or you get the book. I will be curious to know. All right, everyone. Also, connect with me on the YouTube. Come say hi. Subscribe. Share. Let me know how you're doing on your path. Come over to Instagram and say hi also. And, of course, Soul Path community um, as well. Yes, Lynn. Yes, repatterning. I know. The correlations to this. But this is just showing the science. Um, to what we do in the hypnotherapy and the repatterning um, in the memory. That, that, was, that was fascinating. Um, anyway, I really greatly enjoyed it today. So as always, all of you continue to shine your light, share your insight, and of course, keep awake. I've always felt different. I've always seen things, but when I tried to express them as a child, I was always told to ignore it. There were people that I didn't know that came to me and said, I have this message that I keep getting that I have to deliver to you. All of a sudden, out of the shadows, a homeless man just jumped right in front of me, and he said, I'm a soul just like you. I love it. I wanted to understand the universe and who and what we are and what are we doing here. We're all part of this amazing soul wave tapping into each other. This was a major life changer. You are a light. You have helped me a ton. Thank you. You've given me the courage to live more from my soul. Millions of people are awakening. So wake up with Michelle Miche. Be pleased to hear the best-selling authors and experts in the fields of cutting-edge self-help, personal growth, metaphysics, and spirituality. The Soul Path of Awakening. Understand what living awake is.